0: hello everyone and welcome to the heart of sports with jason springer and jeff cohen we are thrilled to join you on 610 espn ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in the world of sports jeff it's a snowy friday afternoon but i'm going to give you warm happy thoughts what's that gonna be we are 10 days from spring training i know does that, that makes you smile, right? Your baseball only, not, first
1: of all, not only does that make me smile, you know we made the announcement today that we're going to be back for our second season of High Hopes. Our minor league a- rundown and, show. And Go we on. are going to be down from March 8th to March 10th
0: covering the, all the prospects. Yeah, we'll be down at spring training and uh, we'll tape a show from down there. We'll We'll get some interviews for future shows. And so we'll be excited to be talking baseball again. And we figured what better way to get that talk started than to bring the original friend of the fanatic, Dave Raymond, into studio to join us and talk about how you fulfilled my kid dreams. Dave, how you doing?
2: I'm doing great, Jason, thanks. And Jeff, um, of course, you picked the perfect day for me to drive an hour from West Grove out here. To snow. Kinwood. snow. We're good yeah. like that. But 16 yeah, degrees I, in we, snow. That's we, what. Yeah, We could stay here for a week. We may have to do that because <laughs> I, I know we're going to enjoy this conversation. I'm yeah. going to enjoy the conversation for sure.
0: That That's how we work it. We make sure that you get stuck and then you can't leave and then we get to ask you lots of questions that you didn't expect to answer. So, so you think you can control the weather is what you're saying? No, I can't even control right. my okay. my, right. my name. I can't control anything. What are you talking oh, about? We, you we, know need,
2: this. we need Bill Giles <laughs> to control the weather because he used to say, you know, when it was uh, the, the the weather report was a uh, you know twenty four hours forty eight hours of rain and he said no I, I we have a window uh, <laughs> at, at right around seven o'clock Jeff is a window so Jeff's
1: a big Bill Giles fan. well it, it's interesting you brought his name up because he's one of the first guests we ever had oh I uh, know. B- Bill and I actually served on the board of a charity Cade, together um, and Bill Bill is full of great stories
2: yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm sure he wouldn't mind me I call him my surrogate father. Uh, mostly because if there were any mistakes I made, I can blame my upbringing. So, but Bill was he—he he, for me, he truly was a, a father figure, and uh, and the brilliance behind everything that went well or poorly at Veterans Stadium was out of his crazy mind.
1: So, so in addition to the fact that he brought in uh, a, a new staff when he could, he came with regard to the radio personalities that became the voices of of the Phillies. You actually worked with him very early in your
2: career. I, I was—I hadn't graduated from college, and um, I went to the University of Delaware. I was fulfilling my dream to um, to play football for my dad, and um, uh, Tubby was also my academic advisor. He told me to be a business major. I flunked my first accounting exam, and I changed my major without telling him. <laughs> and then he said, "What are you doing?" I, you know, I—I I told you that you shouldn't—you you can't be a football coach and be at the same institution like I've been for fifty years. And I said, but I want a coach. He said, okay, well, look, th- let me help you get a job with the Phillies. So, um, you know, I was just 20 years old in uh, 1976 when they had the uh, the bicentennial and the All-Star Game. I I was an intern, and I was running around the promotions office. Frank Sullivan was my boss, and Bill was Frank's boss. And um, it, from the very start you walk in there, it felt like a family. And it, to me, I mean, really— uh, and, and Rulie's dad, and they were the, had been the owners, and they were friends of my father's because they were big supporters of Delaware football, and so it felt like a family, and I thought that was normal, and it wasn't until later that I realized... You know, That's ball, not how it act, ball actually ball is. Ball clubs do not act like that. I mean, it, it was a phenomenal environment to be a young kid and learn... What sports marketing and it still
1: seems like that i mean look they just brought back jimmy rollins and and, and it just seems like it's a family and and people don't want to leave the organization even when they're done with whatever their initial job is with the organization
2: and it you know there's people there that are still there when when i started and uh, you know have you know 35 40 year careers there and they say things have changed but that is one of the constants that it still feels like that that family group i mean there's human resources in there now when we when I was there, we would you, have been fired weren't. about twelve <laughs> times. Uh, so, uh, you know, with the advent of of what we live in today's world, uh, fortunately for me, I, I didn't have to learn those tough lessons early.
1: But instead, instead of uh, being terminated at the age of twenty, uh, you, you got you got suggested to do something fun. I
2: was, I was promoted. He and Bill tells the story, which I don't believe. He said, the when he was asked why did. David get the first opportunity. I know why I got the first I was low man in the totem pole totem pole and the only one dumb enough to <laughs> say yes, you're I'll the, do this. To put, the, I, to put the tights on. I wanted a jo- <laughs> I wanted a job. I you know, I wasn't thinking about, you know, they said go to New York and get fitted for a costume. I'm like, okay. Because they said, you know, you're getting twenty five dollars a game, stay for all the games. And and so I went off to New York get fitted for the costume. Um, you know, he said, Oh, well, Dave Raymond was a little bit of a smart butt in the meet in our You know, in our gatherings, our parties and our meetings, I'm like, I was scared to death when I was in there. (laughs) I I think he just, that's for the story. Uh Um, But, uh, you know, I got the opportunity because really, truly, what am I going to say no to? I mean, you get to keep your job, $5 an hour. We're going to pay you $25 to stay for the game, which I was, all the games, which I was doing anyway. And um, I didn't care what they asked me to do. I, I just, I wanted a job. My father was right. This was a better opportunity for me. A person with no real appreciable skill sets at that time. This is this is perfect. It was so, my dream so, job.
1: So how do you how do you how do you go back to your dad and say, by the way, I'm I'm getting in a big green bird costume.
2: Well, you know, I didn't. Jeff Jeff's dad
0: portion of the show comes right. out. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't tell him.
2: You're right. The first thing was I I wasn't going to tell him. He he did say because my son's
0: 16 and he comes <laughs> home and says, Dad, by and, the and
2: way, he's <laughs> for the That's Phillies, right, He did. So <laughs> I'm going to school to be a doctor. And right. I, yeah. Like, I flunked I'll out spend three hundred thousand dollars on college, and then boom, <laughs> right. he'll come in I'm on the positive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I I honestly was a little bit nervous about telling him. So uh, by the time and the fanatic, uh, unlike gritty, and and there's wonderful parallels between the two rollouts. But um, the fanatic became accepted very very quickly. So it was a big enough thing where you know where my dad knew that I did it, and it wasn't. It wasn't Kite Man.
0: (laughs) Did you know the the fanatic was going to be the fanatic before you went to get fitted for the costume?
2: I had seen a drawing, uh, Bonnie Erickson, who was the designer um, and who I first met when I went to New York, uh, and this drawing was amazing. And um, I've I found in in further development of ideas on paper first that get turned into reality, most of the time people, when it looks great, they'll go, well, that's beautiful, but it's not going to look like that. I mean, when it's finally built, it's not going to... And I'm thinking, I'm going to see, you know, like the St. Joe's hawk. It's a plaster of Paris head, you know, with feathers. And I'm, that's what I was expecting. But when it was delivered on the very first day I was supposed to wear it because it was delayed, it looked like that. And that's when I went, hey, this... People are going to look at this and go, wow, it's, it looked like it belonged on television. It looked like a Muppet. Even in Philadelphia. I, you
1: weren't concerned about Philadelphia maybe reacting a little awkwardly to a uh, an animal that really wasn't indigenous to the area. It, Galapagos Island. Did, I start, th- did I start this
2: by telling you I was stupid? <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. I mean, honestly, I wasn't. What I saw in that is what the brilliance of Bill saw. That. This is going to look amazing. And when I went to Bill to say, okay, costume looks great. It fits great. I just tried it on this morning. They had not told me anything about what I was going to do other than there's no announcements. You're just going to go out. So like the curtain is opening to the Broadway show, you've got the the role of a lifetime and you don't know <laughs> who you're playing. And I'm like, and I said, Bill, what do you want me to do? And he she said, have fun. You, really, David, go have fun it's just not going to work. So go relax, enjoy yourself. Um, And then I was like, brilliant. And he screamed, you know, G rated fun, make sure, make sure it's so I, you know, there's this box you're going to be in. Um, And fortunately, I didn't betray that very often. Um, I pushed the limit a little bit. And what I was empowered by was that direction. And I went out of his office going, I'm a Phillies fan. I I know what they want. I know how they need to act. Um, And I'm just going to mix in the Three Stooges and Donald Duck and or Daffy Duck and, you know, Foghorn Leghorn and, you know, the Coyote and and the Roadrunner. And I just had all that jumbled in my head. And I went out deciding I was going to be very frenetic. I was going to move and dance because I liked music. I liked to dance. And I was a Phillies fan. So if I saw the guy with the Mets hat on, I'm going right over to him and I'm going to helicopter that hat onto the field. And everybody would scream and cheer, and then I would go get the hat and give it back to him after I sneezed in it, and maybe wiped my underarm with it, and then it wasn't really hurt. And I put it back on his head and put my arm around him and, and stick the tongue out of his face. And so, it how was, did they
0: react when you did that? Were they like in on the joke? Did they know you were going to do it beforehand, or it's one of those you're kind of asking for forgiveness afterwards? as Yeah, opposed that to permission well, that is front? that is the mascot's credo.
2: <laughs> but I, it, most of the time, it's like imagine if a foul ball is coming at you. And, and those of us have been to enough baseball games have been in that moment. Well, uh-oh, and, you, and you're thinking, i got to catch it, what I'm going to do, and you're frozen. Mm-hmm. So when the fanatic would come around to these people, they would freeze, like, uh-oh, What's, I better just sit here. <laughs> and then uh, the ones that responded, I as the fanatic, he would just respond to how they responded. And when good things happened that way, we, um, we would set that up at times. So, you know— Jason or Jeffrey, my buddies, would be in the stands and they know when the fanatic comes up, I want you to do this. And knowing that how I'm going to respond to that always gets a big laugh. So we things would happen virally or, or organically and then we would plant people at times to get that response. Um, and then the viral stuff would always occur as well. So you had some planned stuff you know would be funny and then you had stuff that you were hoping would, would turn out to be great and then there was always the opposing fan and then a, as the game progressed, it will... It provides all kinds of opportunities, whether you're playing well or not, to, to get hyped up about and to respond the way a fan would. So it was all that stuff mixed together. and I basically was in custom at just having – imagine if you could go into a Major League Baseball stadium where your crowd was, your team, and you pretty much could do anything that you wanted as long as it was G-rated. It's amazing. You can't do a Mr. Matt. No, yeah, yeah you right. can't do what he did. Yeah, you can No. Well, no I wanted to do that a few times. But, uh, you know, that's 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 you know, that's what training does for you, Jason. Right. <laughs> you learn what you want to do at times. But, nah, I'm going to stop. But, but look,
1: I mean, the the fanatic is, I mean, I didn't grow up here. Jason did. See, Jason's I mean, got, you know, well, he, he uh, grew up with that love. The, My son grew up uh, with the love of the fanatic. but uh, But I can tell you when he was little, he was terrified of of anyone in a costume. Uh, He went on a Disney cruise and it traumatized him, (laughs) believe it or not. But Bill actually gave us tickets once to a game in Arizona, and I don't remember what their mascot is, like a coyote or something like that. And he came up, we were right behind the dugout, and the mascot came over and tried to grab his Phillies jersey off of him. And my son was terrified and would have none of it. And people he was up on their jumbotron the whole time, and we went to the next game, and I was sitting next to one of the Phillies' family members, and he said... Uh, oh, by the way, you should have been here yesterday. There was this kid that was blowing off their mascot. And he wasn't. He was terrified. So, <laughs> so what What do you do when you have that? Because there are kids, as much as there are so many kids that love the Fanatic, there are those that you're going to walk up to and cry. Or, right. or just because it's, you're, the Fanatic's huge. So so how do you deal with those moments?
2: Well, the, the fortunate thing is that those are relatively few and far between but the the natural response is is to cower shrink and move away Uh um and or in the case of disney you give them free stuff so if you've ever it's a wonderful pantomime which the audience can't won't be able to see where a child will be crying full bore and then you wave a bright shiny object in their hand, in their face, and they go, ah, 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 and they're smiling, and they're yeah. and they're distracted for a second, and then they get it, and they they focus on the things that they've given, and then you walk away, and so there were a, a few little tips and tricks, but most of it was over time. You could get a sense of how somebody was going to respond from 10, 15 yards away, uh-huh. and you would approach them differently that way, or you wouldn't approach them, or you would focus on something else. So. Uh, as a performer, you're always scanning your opportunity for comedy or for interaction or for something interesting. And the best thing would be to find something that was funnier than The Fanatic. So a kid with spiked hair, you know, with purple, you know, spiked up in the air, uh, with neat like needles and, and purple tops to it. You, you know, The Fanatic would just come over there and stare at him and then touch the, touch the <laughs> tops of his hair, like, ow, it hurt my finger. And, <laughs> uh-huh. and that that's what I was trying to find, is what are the f- things that are funnier than than the fanatic than the that fanatic. He could just respond to. What, it, was
1: up. there a an, any other ideas other than the fanatic that you were aware of, or uh, was was that really the I from ju- the get go?
2: I just remember the story that I was told was that when Bill was talking to Bonnie. He just kept saying, fatter, fatter, fatter. He needs to be fatter, he needs to fatter. Fatter's funnier. And then, and So then it used he used to be a skinny fanatic. Well, I think that it was skinnier, uh, but Bill wanted him apparently to be red, and Bonnie talked him out of it Say, well, if he's red and he's in the stands, he'll get lost in a sea of red. So let's try to come up with a complementary color that will stand out, and that's where the, the green came from, was just trying to get him so he stood out, which that was effectively done
1: so at some point you became the not the ex-friend of the fanatic but the, i guess i don't know what you the old guy the old guy <laughs> you've now learned all these lessons and apply them to your own craft of of developing and creating mascots and it, it seems like there's a lot that goes into it that we all don't think about like the color i would never have thought that the color really mattered that See, much and it's
0: funny the green is what caught my eye originally as a kid and we used to go to the Fanatic's birthday games every yeah. year uh, when he would do all the crazy things. And somewhere buried in my parents' house is this neon green Fanatic hat from the Fanatic's birthday. And so, the, like, the green is, is what got my attention early. Here's this big green thing doing funny things, shaking his belly that Bill Giles is saying bigger. And that's—those are the things that drew me into him as a mascot, yeah. I think.
2: Yeah, and I, I th- the thing that we—well, look, a great performance— is one that people will sit and enjoy, and they're not going to think about the work that was go- that went into to build that particular piece of entertainment. So that's so as an audience member, you're not supposed to know how hard it is. It, um, the things that I, I was just talking to a client the other day. This is what I, I say: I love my business, I, I hate my clients, <laughs> uh, which we all relate to when we're sto- a customer. Story service. of a bunch of people's lives. I was trying to explain. <laughs> we're just kidding, though. We uh, love our clients. That's right, yeah. we do, we do. Um, but I was trying On to explain air. to her why <laughs> it wasn't a good idea. She was just we had created a character six years ago for them. It was very successful. We found a performer, trained that performer, put them in. There's a big change in management, which is not unusual. And I asked her where her performer's coming from. She goes, we just have a couple of teenagers. And I go, do you train them? Well, no. And we just, they just, I said, so they just jump in the costume and go. And she said, um uh, yeah. She goes like, this isn't rocket science. And I said, okay. <laughs> is that I like said, the
0: biggest insult that you can get from uh, somebody? Right. I said, so, and so, I
2: got, I, so I get my, you know, now I've got my professional dander <laughs> up. And I said, well, you know, you're open to liability. Well, what kind of liability? And that's, so now she had me. So now go, you're, now, you now cost- you're my area. Right? So you're I here. go, <laughs> okay, here it is. You have those teenagers with no training. You put them in the costume and you said they wave and take pictures. So they're taking pictures and this, and your character puts their arm around 11 year old girl, snap the shot, Two days later, the parents come in and said, Your your mask molested my daughter. And you're like, What? No, I here are the pictures. Oh, I can't see his arms. I can't see his hands. Because one of the things you teach performers is when you take pictures, your hands are up in the air. They can be around the shoulder, but you're, and and that was how Tigger was being sued by and so and she went, Oh, I never thought of that. I said, There's a lot more into it. You're right, it isn't rocket science. It is just basic. Steps that you but take, but there's a
1: mascot school. Well, that's and that we've been, yeah.
2: and that's exactly what we we've been training for 25 mm-hmm. years. It's just some basic common sense, um, and and half of the things that I never did, <laughs> that I fortunately hey, you learn the in hard trouble. way. Yeah, uh, we, and there's been a number of of lawsuits over the years, which could not have been avoided. In other words, accidents are going to occur, but if you can show you did your diligence, we've trained people, we've trained them to be safe. They do the safe things. Here are all the stopgap measures in place, and this was just an accident then your liability insurance covers that but yep. if you if you just do something willfully stupid but but, but, <laughs> and but ignore so, it, so yeah but get so in now you have.
1: but so now you've been involved with with another great creation that would seem to enjoy those kind of lawsuits. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, well, it, I mean, I'm, you're speaking of gritty, of yes. course. Uh, Where did it, that come from? It well, here's what's great about it is, and then and then when you get to know it, makes sense. One of the f- there's two steps we take with clients. One is to make sure they're committed. You can't sneak this out and see how people will feel and then decide to change it or pull it back. You lose. You have to be completely committed. Which the flyers were. It took them. They called me two years before they started saying, "We're going to do this." We're going to figure it out the right time, but we want you to help us. I said, fine. So then I came in and said, you know we're going to get hammered no matter what we roll out. It is going to be nasty, and it may be nasty for a while. So it's going to take – and it's going to be about your brand. They're going to be nasty about your brand using this as a vehicle to hammer your brand. They said, we don't care. This is about kids. We're going to tell them. We're building new fans.
1: There there was no reluctance? None. Because I can tell you uh, you, – we we talked before we
2: came on the air about
1: Michigan – Michigan tried while I was in college to roll out a, a Wolverine mascot, Willie the Wolverine, and it it lasted about two weeks before yeah. he got literally physically thrown out of the stadium. Well, uh,
2: let me tell you something. And both my <laughs> parents graduated me. I could do a mascot for Michigan that would be wildly successful. That, there's no question, and it's not because Jeff I'm, may call you. It's after not because the I'm so right. great at it. It's um, that we've done it over and over, and we know exactly what you have to do. And and it's um and there's some brilliance involved in it, but the brilliance doesn't only come from me suggesting it, it, the client has to get it, has to want it, and they have to be good at what they do, which all is what the Flyers have in place there. They've got bright, young, creative people, so I still didn't believe them when they said they would, you so know. So you
0: give them these warnings, and you're like, right. they are like, going, they're not really taking me saying, No, they're
2: saying we're in, and I, but I've heard it before. Like, we'll wait till it happens, let's see. So they roll out Gritty at the um, Please Touch Museum, and um, I'm standing next to Joe Heller, my lead, and he bumps me on the shoulder, and shows me a cell phone. And it's a tweet that says, he sucks, we hate him. <laughs> and I'm like, and- That was your tweet. <laughs> so, Sorry. So it's because it's being streamed live. So, right. so Sean uh, Telgirk is over there doing a, um, a a television interview. He comes over, and he goes, what? And Sean shows in the tweet. He laughs like a, a barrel la- laughs. And he goes, then he runs over to Cindy Stutman and shows Cindy Stutman. And now all of their executives are looking in. They're like, oh, look at this one. Oh well, look at this one and i and i thought okay and then they start sharing the ones like gritty is the lo- it's it was a safe sex ad that said after all gritty is the love child of the abominable snowman and yukon Cornelius. <laughs> well they love that one so they're tweeting they're sharing and then when they introduce him at the stadium um the performer who like did he come from came, the ceiling he came yeah, in like a wrecking ball and in and between the, <laughs> the in the first period break he slips and falls, shooting t-shirts and stands, and they're hammer him. And he tweets back, "Why didn't anybody tell me this ice was so slippery?" <laughs> He's and, got a great social yeah, media account. Yeah. and there, yeah. so there's a couple of uh, young people uh, at the at the Flyers, along with the performer, who is excellent at this, and they combine with this brain trust, and they come out. They, you know, the break the internet pose that he did when he said goodnight to tw- Twitter. That was a, the the uh, parody of Kim Kardashian's. And he went and the, from zero about, followers to 60,000 followers in less than 24 hours.
1: And the Penguins one was
0: great, too. When yeah, the that, Penguins made fun of him and <laughs> he said, you better sleep with it, one eye open.
2: He right to murder. That's what John Oliver <laughs> said. But,
0: but it, you know, it's funny. There was that initial pullback, and then national media got a hold of it, and there was this, well, we can beat up our brother, but you can't beat our yeah. brother kind of attitude. Yeah. Was and that, and was that so there was like expect- a quick embracing that, of so, it.
2: So, here, so great things happen when you when you follow – advice of experts you collaborate and you prepare the way you need to prepare and then great things occur because you positioned yourself for it to happen so you have to give the flyers credit for it however it was unexpected that it trended on twitter and then the professional comedians who get paid to find content see oh we can use this and then jimmy fallon got it and then john oliver and then john oliver brought
1: a fake Gritty to his... I went to see his stand-up here at the end of the year, and he had a fake Gritty come out at the and end. Jeff,
0: Jeff wasn't sold at that point. <laughs> and
2: the Flyers don't try to cease and desist that. Uh-huh. They they basically go, you know what, it's poetic license, it's noise, it, it's all going to drive back to Gritty and the Flyers, which is because, you know, Antifa hijacked Gritty. They got a picture of really? Gritty strangling Trump at some rally. <laughs> and they're, the big, They're waving the big sign, and there's, <laughs> there's Gritty strangling Trump. And I'm like... I mean, if I, I even at that point I go, geez, the Flyers should probably go and say, you know, cease and desist. But right. th- that's why if that's why I believe that their preparation, their fearlessness about their brand, our brand will survive if the story is, hey, we're just trying to create new fans and there's n- and we can't miss that opportunity in today's world. They said the reason why they started it was they saw the Super Bowl, uh, the team come back getting ready for the parade and all the other mascots in the city were there to welcome um, the Eagles and mm-hmm. the Flyers had no ability to represent there and they said that's it we're not we're not missing any w- more of those moments and then they got their own moment now for.
1: To, but to me the, the the best thing about it is we always talk about how, how sports brings communities together that there's a benefit to it it, it seemed very quickly that, like Jason was saying it's like we can pick on him, but you can't right. pick on him.
2: Yeah, and we that, could say that, his that, eyes look that, funny and he's, you and know, but nato- you can't.
1: Yeah, it became a national story so quickly that it was this immediate knee-jerk reaction from Philadelphia of like, how dare you? He's our, like, like, it went from people that I knew that said, oh, this is ridiculous, to within 24 hours them saying, I love Gritty because everybody else in the country is saying all these things
2: about yeah. Gritty. Yeah, and Joe Heller said he's... He's not your ugly. He's our ugly. And guess what? We're going to take a bullet for him. I mean, it really, it went to, and.
0: That's good though. He's our ugly. Yeah. That,
2: uh, well, that, and you know, Jason Kelsey's. Jeff, uh, Jeff says pro, that about me
0: a lot with the show. <laughs> Jason I'm, I'm our ugly.
2: Well, it's, <laughs> and uh, I mean, I, I see Jason Kelsey dressed in the mummer's outfit with the with his his speech. Uh, but that, you know, they, they don't like us. We don't care. Um, and. You know, and Gritty, so in the initial start of this conversation, you said, Why does he look like that? Well, they cre- the other step was they created a story. I said, You have to have a story that's authentic to you. So, this so, Gritty is a troll that's been living under the stadiums since uh, before the spectrum. He's been there and he's seen it all, he's lived it all, and he's actually, you know, he's a dyed in the wool fan. So, he's, you know, he's black and orange and he's unkept. He's got the beard that looks like it needs a, a shave, like, like half of the NHL players that you see. Um, and he looks a little frightening, like a lot of the <laughs> NHL players that you see. And he's, his head is stuffed into that helmet, like a lot of NHL players that you see. And it's not on there tight. It's loose. And so he's, he's seen it all, and they found him because he was tired of the changes. So we changed from the spectrum. Mm-hmm. We're in the new arena that's been named three different times. And now they were starting to do refacing renovations of the interior. And it's like he had enough. Yep. So he was defacing all of the new stuff with <laughs> flyers, stickers, because he'd had it. And then they caught him and he was scared of them. The, the flyers were initially scared of him, but there was a little bit of a detente. They got together and they said, man, you, you look like one of us you know you you got to you got to stay with us and was we, he
1: the original was that the original design or was or were there were they talking about animals yeah, and things we, like that Yeah we we had beforehand? done
2: a whole series of designs for them this is why it's a collaboration no ego involved so mm-hmm. we're very good at designs i'd say 95% our designs go through to completion so we had done there's a whole set of bull designs to try you know and the broad street bullies was a thing that they said that's who we were we're not afraid of it but we are different now hockey's different but but it's our roots so We want to have some of that involved. And it's Joe Heller that kept saying, ah, this monster, what about a lovable monster? I'd like somebody that they'd want to high-five but not hug kids, which I thought was great. (laughs) They want to high-five, but they don't want to hug him. Not too close. Yeah, Yeah. so um, we weren't scratching that itch, but I'd say about a little over a third, maybe close to 50% of the group like the bull concept. I don't know any of the definitive votes, but that's what I was getting feedback. And Joe said, look, do you mind if we bring in, and it, was Brian Allen? Do you mind if we bring him in? It's a, he's got a company. He kind of specializes in these these scruffy monster-like characters. I said no. This is par- I just want you to. The whole process is to get you what you want. And they showed us some of uh, Brian's earlier drawings, and everybody said that's it. And there was no more discussion, other than there were a few things the NHL didn't want to reflect in a, visually, and they made some adjustments, and boom, they came up with the last one. And uh, we took them over to Norristown where we build all of our costumes. Other, we, we're in New York or we're in Norristown where we build costumes. And our deal with uh, character translations was local. And they got together with her, collaborated, and, and he was born. It, and then the performer, Gritty's best friend, uh, I knew him when he graduated from Rutgers great performer yay Rutgers yeah See, something comes <laughs> out I, Rutgers. I know I know and he just I got I helped him get an audition with the Phantoms he got the job there Melvin uh who is another strange creature that was discovered uh, in a vault <laughs> I mean w- w- there's a there's a theme here and um and then I had talked to the Flyers early said I really think I've got the performer for you so let's wait till we get there and um and it was a again collaboration and it and it was it's amazing it's to to look at wh- where it is and where it's going to be for 50 i mean the 50 60 years from now i mean the fanatic is 40 years old this past april so gritty's going to be He around doesn't for look like, an age older no, not right. a year still older still got though, that yeah. youthful
0: uh-huh. He's looking good for his so, age
1: so <laughs> if that wasn't enough for your career you've you've now moved on to a, a new segment of your career which yeah. is being a keynote speaker can you can you tell us how you got into that
2: well I, I think that from the very beginning of being the fanatic, uh, you know, people are grasping it, it when they develop an event of some kind they want somebody interesting. So I think I got I got lumped into interesting people. so I would I would obviously not be in costume and I would talk and I number of speeches I walked away where I just felt like God I, I bombed I, I didn't feel good at it. So I kept working at it but I didn't really have a, any message until um, you know I, I had some struggles in my life, um, my mother died at age 59 and, uh, my marriage ended just a few weeks after my mom died. And I was stuck with having to be this, this Muppet. That was my job. And I didn't think that I could possibly survive, let alone go do my job. The work in costume actually saved me. And I, so I started looking, well, what the heck is going on? And I discovered this, you know, what we, what we call the theory of the power of fun that, uh, it's counterintuitive. You, when you think of fun, you think you're going to Disney World. You're going on a vacation. It's on the weekend. Can I correct you? Yeah. Going to Disney yeah. World? <laughs> <Not my laughs> it's idea a seven thousand dollar no, tab. No, the, 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 yeah. it, between the
1: cost and the heat and the lines, <laughs> right. not my idea. All right, but, find something right. else. i right, grumpy. And,
2: and, and yeah, Jason. He's a lawyer, which means he's a fun killer. So we just—telling you, ignore all that. I need
0: is an audio yeah. sound that says, "Hey, you kids, get off my lawn." That's, that's right. right.
2: <laughs> uh huh. So, so I you know, I, I looked at what was happening and that fun was actually a, a tool that you could engage. And we all know what fun is. We know what it is to us and you can engage it and not only engage it to, to be better at what you're doing at home, whether whatever leader you are, parent, teacher, coach, um, and, uh, or just a friend, you can use it at work. And in the case that I've live through, you can choose fun to help you get through the most brutal times of your life. And we're all in this world going to have those visit on us if we live long enough. So I started to look at what those were and it, and it came into these, these four basic lessons, uh, the of fun, and then the, the value of distracting fun. The beauty is it resonates with people who want to market and sell their brands. What the power of fun is the reason why the fanatic and gritty were successful. And we can replicate that for people. All you have to do is follow these steps. So I've gone from where I was being asked as somewhat of an oddity to get out in front of people and talk to where I was speaking to the FBI in Philadelphia a couple of years ago. And I I'd mentioned this before we went on the air that I had two FBI agents come up to me separately during the meet greet and say, I wish I had heard your message the day after 9/11, I was a first responder, and that's when I thought, okay, this is—I I have a real passion for it. Philadelphia has embraced uh, me as the, as my son says, the OG fanatic, um, <laughs> and they've embraced me. Jeff, they, you know what that is? <laughs> <laughs> we need the interpreter to come in for you know, yeah. the 13 year olds or something. Uh-huh. So, um, but they've embraced me. They've given me this uh, this undying affection and love. So. I always point to Mike Schmidt. He, he got somewhat of the second side of that. I got the big, you know, the love affection that cannot be destroyed. Um, so I'm welcomed into many environments in Philly, but this message is, is traveling beyond Philly too. So we're talking to healthcare companies. We're talking to marketing executives. We're talking to the city of San Diego. They're, they're discussing, bring me in to do for their parks and rec department. So it's, it is what I feel like I've been born to do, um, and um, and The Fanatic has, has been a best friend of mine through this process and really uh, saved me during a time that, that I, I, just as sure as I'm sitting here, um, after my mom passed away and my marriage fell apart, I was in my home in Wilmington, Delaware, knowing with all certainty that I wasn't going to survive, and the savior was i had a 2 hour appearance of the as the fanatic the next day and i said all right well i'll get to that i i need to get to that it's it's on the schedule and then i'll figure it out after that and that was the beginning of going oh, give me more appearances i <laughs> I was it i was in costume every single second i could after that because it those little pieces of distraction really you know not only had me survive it but thrive it so it's it's really been amazing. I appreciate you asking because it's been an amazing part of maturing. You know, I'm going to be 63 this week. And this is truly, really what I want to do is I want to get this message out.
1: And, and you, you also had kind of a role model for somebody who did a lot of public speaking.
2: Oh, well, my, so I was a, a young, impressionable kid. I got yeah. to go into the the locker room before a football game. Jeff, taking us on the Oh, it's right. The right? I mean, I Tubby so, Raymond bobblehead. So, so, yes. so for
1: people who can't see the radio, um, my son collects bobbleheads. And so I was telling him you were on the show. And in his thing is from a Wilmington Blue Rocks game. I was there. A, 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 a Tubby Raymond bobblehead.
2: And now here's what's great. So he's got yeah. 300 on his back, okay. identifying 300 wins. He's holding a football in his left hand. He's why holding, is he holding so, the so paintbrush? So, that,
1: so, so that that was the conversation last night. Somebody explain why he's got a paintbrush yeah, in the other a,
2: hand. He's a painter. He did uh, uh, some prolific painting 54 years of painting every single one of his senior football players. Are you kidding? Wow. So, and not? he would paint them in a portrait or a, a, um, a poster style where he would do acrylic so he could do it quickly acrylic bust of the player. The player would have a saying. Like, mm-hmm. mine says, punt Colgate. <laughs> we were playing only on the to team in the nation. Because you were the punter at and, that yes, point. Yes, and I, it says, punt Colgate. And the and UD, the mascot, will say, one more all out, is what he says on mine. So I've got all his seniors have a, a hand-painted um, poster that includes their bust. Wow. And he also, so he got into portraits. Mm-hmm. I also remember him painting as a kid. He's painted um, us catching a bass as a family in a small boat in a lake up in Michigan. Um, and you know, I, we still have that. He painted our great grandmother. It looks like one of those weird doll paintings that scared me as a kid. Did the eyes follow yeah, you. Yeah, it sure seems like <laughs> it. Um, I, it's it's in the basement in a box. It's not coming out. But he did just recently. He did made in Delaware. The three of the Delaware quarterbacks that went on to play in the NFL. So Flacco, Flacco. Gannon, and Brunner. Brunner beat out um, Phil Simms when he played for the Giants. Giants. Yep. And we have printed, we make prints of that, we frame them, and people who donate to his foundation can get one of the prints. So it's been a real successful thing for us. So, uh, But, you know, I guess as a kid, I had to go into the locker room and hear his pregame speeches. And, I mean, I, I'm telling you, it, to, to hear how he could do it surgically, because he'd go right to you, Jeff. He'd, he'd you would, Let's say you were a tight end, and he would, he'd say, "Cohen, I'm going to tell you something about You're, you. You've got people out here that want to disrespect your family. They're out there, and they're sitting right in that front row. And, and I know when we call your number, and he would get right in your face, and the uh. entire offensive line would be would start to get emotional. And this is offense. He would he was, I think, to a certain extent in the beginning of the yeah, game what do you he was do detrimental. He got the offense so fired yeah. up and the defense was, you know, uh, pulling apart locker rooms. And <laughs> as a you know, as a seven, eight year old, I'm like, I'm going, what the heck's going on? This is and then I started to get all fired up. I emotionally as a kid, I'm like, I, I had no out outlet. Yourself. I couldn't run over anybody. If I did I would have gotten hurt. Um so <laughs> that's the punter, huh? <laughs> yeah, well exactly. Well what I my uh, so I was the starting wide receiver receiver, the punter, and the place kicker in my senior year in high school. And um, when, I, when I went in, uh, to try out for Delaware, I heard him screaming, stay off the kicker because it was illegal to hit the kicker. I like, okay, All right. okay. Because I had been playing demonstration offense, so I'm, I'm a slow wide receiver running against the first team defense. Now, this is Division Two, so we're not talking about you know, the Big Ten. Every single time I touched that football was the hardest I'd ever been hit where in high school you might get hit like that once a year. Every time I touched the football, I was getting just absolutely lambasted. So and ready I went, to move Why do I want to do that? <laughs> you were ready to move to kicker right. quickly. I am so much better at kicking the ball. Plus, it's against the rules to hit me. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, so uh, so I, I became his punter, um, which was probably the best, you know, experience to have a father as a coach and a father that had his stature, uh, a coach that had his stature, and a father and and I found out that. I probably learned more from him as a football coach in those four years than I did as a, a father, not because he wasn't a good father, but he was an incredibly good football coach. And when he died and I, I spoke at his memorial service and that day as almost every day of my life, some football player comes up to me and said, you know what your dad did for me? And they'll tell a 10 minute story of him changing their life with a couple of comments um, and, then, and then some joke that they remember, and it's and it continues. It, and so, um, you know, you think of the, the the thousands of kids that he affected in a positive way. You know, we basically shared my father with those those players. So um, it, it was so the speaking, the motivational portion of that. Um, I decided I wanted to be a coach because I wanted to do that. And and now when I look at what I'm doing in public speaking, is um, I'm doing the same thing. You're moving people to change to to make themselves better. To do more than they think they could do, um, and you're giving them the tools to do it. So, um, so wait, you know that was. It's great that you brought this. So I've got with this right in my uh, right in my office on my credenza. Tubby sits there next to Bill Jaws. And I, was, and I have a Harry cow. Bill Giles head has a bobblehead. Yes, he does. I've got an oh. extra one. Maybe we could figure out a way to get okay. to your son. All right. Look at Jeff.
0: Yeah. You just made Jeff's day. You talked about Michigan, and you might get him a bobblehead. He's I, easily bought. Don't worry. I'm, good, good. We we can't <laughs> just, thank just you Just like those little kids. Absolutely. <laughs> of fanat, we can't thank you enough for joining us in studio. This has been a lot of fun. Where can people get more information if they want to find out more?
2: Now, Raymondfund.com is where you can see all about the, the speaking, and certainly you can find me through the same website at where we're doing a lot of character branding work as well, and we and we mix the two because it's the messaging is part of what you do to be successful. So RaymondFund.com is a great place to go, find me and get me to your event for speaking, and um, would love to. Love to see more people out in Philadelphia.
1: And we hope you we could have you on again. There's so much more to talk about. The mascot hall of fame. So he just wants things. his Bill Jaws bobble. Oh, he's that looking yeah, for an excuse. See, you, you
2: figured this out
0: already. See, he's he knows, Jeff. Yeah, Well you're gonna
1: make me I'll a good the, parent. Good. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff, I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. He sees right through. you. <laughs> Thanks
0: so much. Thanks. Let's uh let's head to break here on the heart of sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. Stick with us. We'll run through everything else going on in the world of sports. We'll be right back.
1: Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1- 888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.newjerseyshares.org It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares,
0: keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. It's The Heart of Sports, each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. With former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's The Heart of Sports, Fridays at 4
2: p.m. Do you let other people order for you at a restaurant?
0: He'll have the small knees.
2: No, I won't. Oh. Or pick the movie you're gonna see. Does uh, she like a ticket to attack on Rage Mountain? Really? Now yeah, come on. So why would you let others make all the important decisions about how your life is going to be when you get older? I mean, is it okay with you if your kids decide where you're going to live? My kids? Are you out of- Are you kidding? Or perfect strangers choose who'll be taking care of you? Not gonna happen. No, uh uh-uh. Better visit longtermcare.gov, the trusted information site that helps you. To find your own path forward without selling you anything it takes you step by step through everything you need to consider about aging and all your options longtermcare.gov stay in charge by
0: planning now or pay later how about a mohawk how about a mohawk how about I put my foot right oh hi honey Welcome back to the Heart of Sports on 610 ESPN. I'm Jason Springer here in studio with Jeff Cohen. Jeff, I could have just kept talking to him. <laughs> I, I, there's so much more.
1: There, there's, so, there's, there's so much to talk about, and he really is. I mean, the emperor fun. Says, we didn't even get to that. <laughs> I know, but, he, but he, he, there's, he's lived a life that very few people could talk about. I mean, the number, we all go through life trying to impact other people in what we do. Think about the number of people that, that he has impacted and still is impacting. Well, we're sitting here he's doing and t-
0: he's talking about it. And I'm remembering going to the fanatic birthday games with my family. and you and I talk about the impact that sports has on family and um, it's just, yeah, he's, he's, he's made an impact on people. I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times and you'll go through this with,
1: with your son is like you go to Phillies games and, and you'll remember your kid smiling the first time and every other time that he sees the fanatic and, <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, he talks about how hard, you know, it's not rocket science, but it is a, an art. Yeah, it's no, an art there's form. definitely. You can't a, just stick somebody in there. It's every one of those gestures is has an leads to an emotion
0: without and, a doubt. All right, Jeff, we've only got about 15 minutes left because we went long with him. So I'm going to let you play the sports roulette wheel. Are we talking Super Bowl, Super Bowl gambling, Sixers, Major League Baseball in the Phillies or Flyers? Take your pick. Uh, go Super Bowl. Go Super and Bowl. And Super Bowl game. Are you, you looking forward
1: one. to the Super Bowl? I always look forward to the Super Bowl. It doesn't matter who's in it. I mean, I'm kind look, of indifferent about the game. Yeah, but you're I'm going to watch football. But here's why you're indifferent to the game, and I'm going to play uh psychologist oh, God. right here. Okay, you're sitting across from me wearing your Eagles Super it's Bowl It's my last sweatshirt. weekend as Super Bowl champions. Exa- I'm going to take that, it see, for that's all it, it. is. So, so this is letdown time for Philadelphia, but... It's still the Super Bowl. Yeah, you wish you were there. I do, uh, And nothing is ever in your lifetime will ever compare to that moment. because it was no, that the was first, pretty cool. It was the first time the Eagles won in your lifetime. So, so it's all downhill from here. So from a Philadelphia standpoint, I understand the letdown, but you'll still watch the game.
0: It's 17 years to the day since these teams met when the Patriots beat the Rams in 2001. And that means nothing. It's just interesting. Intru- right. it, it's... It's sort of a generational clash I'd rather of a, have Kurt Warner as my quarterback game, though, than Jared Goff. Well, I, I, we can get there. <laughs> but it's sort of, you know, you know, Jared Goff or uh the coach of the Rams, McShea, was in high McVay. school McVeigh was in high school when Tom Brady was in that Super Bowl. Right. Like it, there's such a difference in generational approaches to football between Belichick and Brady and and Goff and McVeigh. And you, and that's going to be beat to death before the game. In terms of the game itself, do you have a feel? Do you have like a strong feeling like, oh, okay, this is exactly going to happen?
1: You know, as much as we know the Patriots and the number of times we see them, I still can't tell whether their defense is good or bad.
0: And, and so that's the one,
1: that's the unknown quantity to me. Here's what I do know, that, that you could say what you want about Tom Brady having a couple of interceptions in the last game. If it comes, if it's a close game, the Nobody Patriots else will win, yeah, okay. and and I don't think the Rams are that good that they're going to be able to stop him. So it's really going to come down to whether the Patriots defense can hold up with the Rams offense.
0: I think the Patriots offense is going to try and use the Rams aggressiveness on defense with their line to sort of throw a lot of screens out of the backfield to James White and mm-hmm. Sony Michelle's played better and and sort of dink and dunk them that way and sort of go at them on offense. The Rams defense and then split the
1: middle of the field with Gronk. Absolutely, which, and but, their secondary
0: but. is not their strength for St. Louis. And, 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 and so, but I'm just the, screwing up. That everything goes to about.
1: one of one of the bets because one of the bets I believe is the over/under on the number of times they say Gronk is two and a half. <laughs> is there any chance that the under wins? On them? no, no. With no Tony chance. Romo is it, he? He's going to be Gronk in all over the
0: place. Are you going to bet on which beer commercial will air first? Because that's a prop bet. No. Do you do? Uh, do you gamble on the Super Bowl? Do you do, like, box pools? or? Yeah, I'll do those um, things. But um, but will you place I, I'm not, I don't, a bet I, on the game or a prop bet? Right now it's a two-and-a-half point spread. Yeah. New England is the favorite. Over-under is a 56 and a half or 56. The highest over-under ever is 58 take points. Take the Patriots and take the over. And take the over. Mm-hmm. They estimate that now with sports betting legalized in 13 states, that $6 billion will be wagered. On not only the game but the prop bets and everything around it. Yeah, so the the that's prop one in ten or twenty two point seven million dollars are expected to prop bets. They must limit
1: the amount that you can bet on a prop bet because what's to stop somebody like let's say I know Gladys Knight. There's an over under on the number of seconds it's going to take her for to do the national anthem. Why would I not be able to go to Gladys Knight and say, Hey, Gladys, by the way, can you do me a solid? Can you just— go over? <laughs> can you just catch that last. There's actually note a for better over under
0: than that. Will any scoring drives take less time than it takes Gladys Knight to sing the national anthem? Yes or no? That's a prop bet that you can yes. have. Oh, I think yes. Yeah. You're All gonna right. have a, a one or be, two yeah. play drive. Right. Yeah. See, like that's another one I would mm-hmm. I would say yes for. Um, yeah, but
1: that that one it's a legitimate bet even though it's ridiculous right. so uh, but if a... you but you could like like there's a, i think there's a prop bet on whether or not adam levine's gonna wear a hat when he comes out on the stage for the halftime show
0: uh, there's what color shoes so will he if wear I,
1: if i know adam levine why don't i just call him up and say adam can you do me a favor can you just put on a hat for three
0: seconds get on that jeff um tony romo's line for correctly predicting plays is seven and a half correct calls before they're snapped
1: that's not a lot
0: no is it and he calls out a lot so you know are you okay so the game's gonna be on cbs do you Mm -hmm. like that broadcast broadcast crew yeah Uh i mean i'm not a tony romo hater i did not like him as a quarterback but i i uh, i think he's a little aggressive at times but i really enjoy the way i personally
1: like dan fouts more but
0: I oh, wow. enjoy the way that he can kind of break down what's going to happen right. before it happens. The,
1: here's the thing with Tony Romo. Well, first of all, it's enough with the cowboy ex cowboys all being the announcers for everything between Moose Johnson and and Troy Aikman and him. Jason and, and Witten. Yeah, it, it's it, well, Jason Witten's horrible. <laughs> but but the th- the thing that gets me. Tell with me how Tony, you really feel. Jeff. Yeah. The thing that gets me with Tony Romo is is he he's right a lot of the time. I think he provides a benefit to people who know and don't know the game, both. But after a while, that energy gets a little exhausting, and there'll be times where I just hit mute.
0: So what do you think, uh, your prediction for the game? I don't have a score, but I think New England wins.
1: I think it's going to be about 34-28. Who, New
0: England? Patriots. Patriots? Somebody. Brett's going with the Rams. (laughs) No, he's not taking the Chiefs. No, I want the Rams to win, but I think Patriots will win. Oh, so Brett's basically being me and taking both sides of okay, it. Okay, way go. to be there, Brett. There we go. Just um, when we need another fence sitter. And, yeah, he already yeah. doesn't like that I sit on the uh-huh. fence all the time. <laughs> and I loved uh, Tony Romo as a commentator. I learned so much from him. Okay, do you think he'll call seven and a half calls or uh, or less? Uh, I think he'll call just about everything, <laughs> like he always does. <laughs> He's and a so, genius. I learned so, so much from him. So uh, I'm ge- by the way, I'm the guessing over. that if if
1: any of the other announcers did the same thing he was doing. They would probably be right about the same around amount of time. Uh,
0: well, that would be my guess. he's willing to put himself out there, right. and he does yeah. it, and it's it's pretty impressive how he does it. All mm-hmm. right, Jeff. Uh, we go on baseball ninety-one no, days. No, you got to go. Been, you
1: got to you got to go NBA. I don't per,
0: have much to say about baseball. Right. So I want to get out of the way. Baseball? Yeah.
1: There's nothing to say about baseball. We already said that we're excited about spring training. I don't there. we're not free going to talk about those free agents. Uh, and let here, you know what? Here's what we're gonna do. Ready? Breaking news on the heart of sports. Bryce Harper and Manny Machado have not signed yet. Okay? Now let's move on. Were you
0: bothered by all the fake Twitter noise on Tuesday that everybody thought that Bryce Harper had signed and all of a sudden he didn't actually sign? No, because because no. uh, I uh, here here's what I do. I I I, I follow Todd Zalecki and Jim Salisbury.
1: I saw you tweet Phillies, that out until enough.
0: they tweeted you don't believe it type thing. Yeah, I saw you put that out there. All right, did you stay up late last night for the Sixers? I did. All right, can you contain? Did you yourself? That mi- did you see that win? Did you see that Yes, I did. Yeah. Can you contain yourself and tell me what we saw last evening? A win. What, what? do you? Okay, is but- there something? <laughs> Clay they, Thompson did not play, so couch. You they haven't have that. beat Golden State in 11 games Correct. before last night. And, and Golden State, State had, had won, won 11, 11 in a row yeah. coming
1: in. And 13 to the last 14.
0: This may have been ben Sim- one of Ben Simmons' best games that he's played in Cause he, terms of his cause he's aggressiveness. Because he's not playing the point. That's Okay, so yeah. you like that this yes. week, the emergence of Simmons playing at the 4. It, it, it
1: opens him up not to expend all that energy, carry it down. It cuts down on his turnovers, which I think is a big thing. It still allows him to have court vision and pass the ball, but it also allows him to do what he does best, which is slash. So he now open, he now can slash down the middle, and people can pass to him instead of him having to work to drive the dribble and drive, and that's when he turns it over. So I think that that he's still he's still getting eight nine assists a game while he's playing power forward, but it's opening him up to the strengths of his game, and it's also allowing Jimmy Butler to play more at the point, and it also means that Corey Brewer, who's come out of nowhere, to get him minutes because when he's in there, he provides energy on defense and a little scoring spurt. Some nights. <laughs> Yeah, but, but, well, look, he, he, he's, he's been here for, you know, a cup of coffee, the, but he's made he's a The pleasant I- surprise to me influence. has
0: been Landry Schammett. Uh He had a play last night where he had a chase down block and then down the other end of the court hit a three-pointer, was fouled for a four-point play, and, and that was, you know, they need people coming off the bench. They need more depth out there in order to get anywhere, and you're approaching and what about, now, And what
1: about, what about Jordan Bolden, too? I mean, Jordan Bolden was guarding... Boogie Cousins blocked his first shot and then stole a set or then got a, it was a jump ball on the second shot. He's
0: playing with so much more confidence right yes. now. Uh-huh. It's, it's a different it's night and day from what we saw before the season. Um,
1: And by the way, you say that there wasn't much to talk about. OK, so we talked about that. What about the fact that Ben Simmons is the first Australian All-Star ever?
0: He is. Uh, That's pretty huge accomplishment yeah. for him.
1: A- and we have let's let's go away from the first major trade now has happened.
0: Your thoughts on the Knicks dumping everything. <laughs>
1: well, th- this was clearly, let's get Zion Williamson, because they only have 10 wins this year. But second of all, you know, I, I heard the Knicks, which I consider one of the worst organizations in sports right now, as far as the way that they're run, in, in a major market. And if you've never been to Madison Square Garden, go. It is a palace. It is a gorgeous arena, and anybody would want to play in this if they're an athlete. And the fact of the matter is, they get rid of Porzingis, who is referred to as the unicorn throughout the league, assuming he's healthy, gets to be healthy again, and get virtually nothing back. And the reason that they, once they do this, is well, he didn't want to be here.
0: They got cap space, Jeff. So that's he, not
1: enough. No, because here's my here's my point. New York, they could ha- They're going to have seventy four million dollars or so. There, how is it that nobody wants to come there? And the fact is, is why why don't the New York front office people look inward and say, wait a second, it's been decades and we haven't won a championship
0: and we're in New York. I think you're going to us, not them. Well, I think the Knicks are going to lead the way on this, but I think you're going to have a lot of buyouts where the six are going to have some options like they had last year with Ali Sova and on mm-hmm. other players. To really try and find some depth out there. That's what they're counting. You know, we, We've talked about the, the center lack of depth. That DeAndre Jordan could be bought out now after that trade. That'll be something to watch in the coming weeks. Mm-hmm. We've only got three minutes left, but I want to ask you about Carter Hart and the Flyers. Because they've won six in a row. You're going to go down to the game tomorrow. Watch them try and get their seventh. Don't screw it up, Jeff. I don't know what happened. <laughs> they got a new coach. Carter Hart is playing...
1: Crazy. Out of his mind, and, and Anthony Stolar. So, all of a sudden, they've gone through eight goalies to two two young guys that really are leading the way. And Carter Hart, he got his legs under him at, at Lehigh Valley. I still think it was the right thing to do for anybody who said, "Oh, he should have been here at the beginning of the season." You wouldn't have had the same results. He's twenty years old, and he's already a, a pretty darn good goalie. And most of the front office around the league says that he's the real deal.
0: He's so poised in the net. He's 6-2-1 with a 2.33 goals against average and a 931 save percentage and nine appearances in January. It's just that he has brought an energy to the team now mm-hmm. that they are playing differently. They are playing better defense. Ivan Provorov played 30 minutes and 20 seconds in last night's game. He's all over the place right now. They need to get Goss to spare back. I don't know... I still think they're going to make some moves before the end of the season. They're
1: only a game under 500. It's a, you know, I know they were in last place a couple of weeks, but they're not they're only 9 points out of the the last With the loss of spot. the
0: Blue Jackets last night and the Flyers win, the Flyers are only 9 points out of a playoff spot with 31 games left as crazy as that sounds. Yeah. And when this week started, they were 14 points out.
1: So and the, and their next
0: four or five games are teams
1: that are either 500 or a little bit below 500. So they're in good shape to make up some points, except they do have Edmonton tomorrow. So we get to see Connor McDavid.
0: Yeah, you're gonna you should see a good afternoon matinee at Wells Fargo Center tomorrow. Yep. It should be a good time down there. Um, Jeff, any last Super Bowl thoughts, traditions? Do you go to a party? No, I'm actually I've been to Super Bowl parties. I'm, I'm a I'm a quiet watcher. Yeah, I can't yell at the TV with other people around. Last year's Super Bowl was the best because I think my in-laws saw a different side of me as a fan. Um, our son was one- Not a old. good side. I'm, I'm sure they didn't think it was So good our side. son was one, and he had fallen asleep during the game. And my wife's rule is if I wake him, he was mine. Mm-hmm. So I'm jumping up and down like a lunatic with my mouth covered. And my mother-in-law is watching me going, oh, we're stuck with you. I think that's really what she was seeing. So they won't see that side of me this year with the Eagles not playing. I'll be calmer. I I just, you're right. I'm not excited about the game. Here's
1: what I can tell you. I predict that the lowest ratings in the country are going to be in LA.
0: No, not in LA. No, I think New Orleans will be lowest in LA. Because LA, they've been talking Lakers all week and the Anthony Davis speculation as opposed to the fact that they have a team in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Uh, what What would it be like to be that where you can't talk about it? You can't. I mean, your team's in the Super Bowl. Come on. You don't think New Orleans is over it yet? No. The lawsuit's not going anywhere, Jeff. Oh, it will. It'll get dismissed. Oh, well, it, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, not going anywhere is in literally not going no, anywhere. It's, it's
1: <laughs> it will be dismissed. There will be no discovery. <laughs> so the Super
0: Bowl won't be overturned for them to replay. No, the there New will Orleans. be no Super Bowl L.I.V. Part no. Um, Do you, are, are you like a, a Super Bowl hangover guy the next day? Mean? No. You just, uh-uh. you're good with it. Are you a commercial guy? I gotta watch?
1: go. I, I gotta go back down south though, so I'll be gone the next
0: day. Will you watch the ads, or are you like? Uh, I, don't I don't really care. care. About ads? I used to be an ad person,
1: but now they're, they're they they're not much better than regular ads these days.
0: There's an over under on how many ads. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Make sure to join us next Friday night. Help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one. We'll talk to you next week. Bye bye.